Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Well, good morning, good morning, a pleasant good Tuesday morning to you and yours, and welcome as always to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman, joined alongside the Hammond Eggers, Casey McAllister, Paul Fritchner, Brandon Sayo even in the house today. Got a little rest after the trip back, he and Casey. The trip back from Buffalo, NY. We're here Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. You can join us on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask, as always, you please subscribe to the program. We're also streaming on Facebook on the Chatterbox Sports page. If you'd like to join us in podcast form, please do. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you're dialed in. Zach Taylor met with the media yesterday after the team's meetings were adjourned down at Paycor. When asked about injured offensive lineman Jonah Williams and Alex Kappa, he said, yes, both are improving. We'll wait and see where it ends up. He also added that Trey Hendrickson, already playing, as you know, with a broken wrist, had x-rays on that wrist after leaving the game for a play on Sunday. There's no additional damage. He's expected to be ready to go Sunday night in the AFC Championship game against Kansas City. Speaking of KC... If you're going, you'd better bring the Long Johns. Are you guys going or no? Still figuring it out. Still figuring it out. And it is expected to be really, really cold. Kickoff temp around 15 degrees. That'll drop even further as nighttime arrives in Kansas City with that 6.30 kick. The Chiefs are prepping as if Patrick Mahomes will start and play. That's according to his head coach yesterday, Andy Reid. Now, Mahomes did not practice yesterday. That's not a big deal. What is a big deal is that after injuring his right ankle against Jacksonville on Sunday, Mahomes did not throw a single pass outside of the pocket. Just FYI, he led the league with 113 pass attempts outside the pocket during the regular season. His team also scored just 10 points after the injury. Something to keep an eye on. Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who suffered, as you know, an elbow injury in week nine. That was a loss to the Jets. Said he had to change his throwing mechanics because of the pain in the elbow. He did not use that as an excuse, however, in the loss to the Bengals. He said the last two weeks he's felt better. No surgery will be needed on that elbow. The Giants say they want Daniel Jones back next year. He's a free agent. The two sides are working on a long-term deal, but if they can't reach one, New York can tag him for a price tag of roughly $31 million a year. Can you imagine paying Daniel Jones $31 million a year? Oh, boy. No chance. Bill O'Brien is headed back to the New England Patriots. A former Texans head coach takes over again as the team's offensive coordinator. O'Brien spent the last two seasons as OC under Nick Saban, at Alabama. In baseball news, the Hall of Fame ballots are being counted right now. Results will be known tonight at 6 o'clock. Some of the headline names include Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, and Carlos Beltran. Jeff Kent, who leads all second basemen in the history of the game in home runs, third most RBIs, is not expected to make it in this his final year on the ballot. Angels owner Artie Moreno has done an about-face. He had his team up for sale over the last few months and yesterday decided 
no longer up for sale, that the Angels are still in his heart, and he's not selling the team. College basketball last night, Kansas loses again. After getting shellacked by TCU at home on Saturday, the Jayhawks go on the road and lose to Baylor. That's a matchup of the last two defending champions, 75-69. The Bears win despite shooting 37% from the field. KU has lost three in a row. Duke loses again. The unranked Blue Devils fall on the road at Virginia Tech, 78-75. The Blue Devils are 14-6 on the year. Virginia Tech, their second win in the conference all year. Tonight, Ohio State plays at Illinois. Ohio University hosts Western Michigan. North Carolina at Syracuse. Number five, Kansas State at number 12, Iowa State. And worth noting in women's college basketball last night, since all my friends gamble on women's college basketball. Number two in previous line, previously unbeaten Ohio State lost for the first time last night. That was to Iowa, who's ranked 10th. And also unbeaten number four, LSU beat Alabama 89-51. to 51. Did you guys have any money on either one of those games last night? No, I did see them, but I did not gamble on them. You did see them, meaning you watched them? Caitlin Clark. Is that what you mean? Okay, I, I saw a little bit of the Iowa-Ohio State mm -hmm. game. Caitlin Clark's a lot of fun to watch for Iowa, so I, I saw a little bit of it. Not much. Okay. Enough to know what happened. Uh, big show today. We have, allegedly, we have Zim Hude, our good friend, coming up at uh, about 1020. We have Paul Doherty from the morning line at substack.com at 11. And our good buddy Tracy Jones coming up at 1130. Lots of folks already um, are in the chat. And I'm told you brought it up yesterday. Kevin McGuff is the head coach for the Lady Buckeyes. Yeah, former Musketeer. He's yep. he uh, and a Baden guy. Hamilton, Ohio. Yeah, as pointed out by uh, Hamilton's very own Reed Mouse. Yeah, uh, I want to ask you guys about something because I am not uh, really tuned in to the, um, the 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 Twitter world like you guys are. But but what in the world is going on here with Eli Apple? Uh, when I jumped on this morning, there are a lot of people that are really upset with this guy. I don't think anybody should be surprised that he writes or says anything. That's been his M.O. since uh, he played for the Giants. Number one pick, they ran him out of town. He goes down to the Saints. They ran him out of town. He goes to Carolina, I think, for a game or two. They ran him out of town. And in fairness to Eli Apple, we talked about it yesterday. He played very, very well the other day. He has played by and large, and there are exceptions as there are with any cornerback or defensive back in the NFL. None is perfect. He's played very good football for this team. But what has he done now in the Twitter world, Casey, since you're tuned in along with Paul? Well, that brings us to a great segment, Tom, because Eli <laughs> really? Apple. Yeah, Eli Apple put a seatbelt on Stephon Diggs. Put a seatbelt on him. Yeah. Do you you know put a seatbelt seat on Def uh, Stephon Diggs. Mm -hmm. Okay. Could you, before we get, this is a teaching Tom moment. It is. Before we get to that, would, would it be better to talk about this, this Eli Apple, Stephon Diggs thing first, or we put it up and then talk about it? We'll put it up and then talk okay, about it. Okay, let's go. There, there's one of those that goes around on the internet. Joe Burrow, Joe Scheist. Joe what? Is that the word? Is that the hip word? I don't even know what to say. What? When a viewer tells me that I'm trying to be hip and I'm not as hip as I think I am, that hurts.
Alright, so here's a tweet from Zim. From Zim Who Day. Zim Who Day. Alright. Stefan Diggs. And this is actually about Cam Taylor Britt. Put seatbelts and juice boxes on Stefan Diggs. And so did Eli Apple. But what do you think that means, Tom? Well, I mean, when I think about a seatbelt, uh, if you put a seatbelt on somebody, um, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm way off base. Uh, it, the first thing I think of is like putting a, a, a seatbelt on a child, right? You don't put, <laughs> I mean, you put your own seatbelt on, you don't put it on somebody else, right? Right. So that seems to me, uh, am I onto something here or way off base? I mean, you're, you're kind of onto it in a roundabout way, but it basically means that he locked them down. It's a new, new way to say that they locked them down. You put the child in the seatbelt, you lock them in, you lock them down. I like that. I do too. Could you give me an example on how I could use that, say, at home or hanging out with my buddies or? Um, I think you should ask Tracy Jones about that one. <laughs> well, he's coming up at 1130, so we can. I, I'm sure he has no idea what that means. That would be teaching Tracy. He'd be all about restraints. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, you can't I'll, spell restraint. I don't know if I can spell restraint now that I think about it. Now, I'm, a, I'm about to pull up the other tweet, though, that you're, you're talking okay, about. Okay, so, so now we're going to zero on. And thank you, by the way, for that. I appreciate it. But that's, um, where, that, that's where some of this drama is starting from. Okay. Just this, because of how tweet. well they played against them. Okay. But so this, this is what Eli Apple had to say. Is that where we're going? Yes. It has caused so much... I don't know what the word is. Angst. Buffalo fans are not happy. Not happy with Eli at all. It's easy to crit. No, no, no. It's easy. To- this is first of all from Diggs, right? So Diggs, Diggs is the original tweet, and then Eli Apple is the quote tweet above it. Diggs says it's easy to criticize my reaction more than the result, and then Eli Apple quote tweets it and says Cancun on three with the heart emoji. Uh, reference to DeMar Hamlin, and that was the heart, yeah. right? I mean, I, is, well, that I, where, is that that has to be why it people has are to be, upset. but a lot of people were saying it wasn't, but I don't know what else it could be. But you can't do it on three, you get that. The can't do it on three, like one, yeah, yeah. right, one, yeah. two, three, head on down to Cancun and beat it, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I got that part. Uh, people are obviously tying in though when you when you uh, add the emoji there with the heart. I think everybody has to agree that you would draw the analogy to DeMar Hamlin. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know if he intentionally did that on purpose. Um, I think he is just doing that because that's a a great way to mock someone when no one likes you and you're trying to show that they, the love for that player. And you, you know, that, that, I don't know if it was, specifically about Tamar Hamlin. I don't know if Eli Apple is that much of a, a douchebag, but I think uh, I think it was – I don't think it was targeted towards Damar Hamlin at all. But I do think Eli Apple went in on Buffalo. I mean, if you just check out his page, there's probably 10 different tweets from him last night and the night before. From Eli Apple? From Eli Apple just going in – on Diggs and the Buffalo crew. I mean, there's one about uh, a clip of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs doing a little handshake. 
and Eli Apple goes, I didn't see them doing that at the end of the game. Because, you know, the situation with Diggs, him trying to run out of the stadium. And he's stirring the pot. He's really stirring the pot with this, uh, this win. But in all fairness, you just look at the numbers. I think he, he, he kind of deserves to, to talk his shit, you know? Well, but, 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 but Casey, wait, listen, listen. Where are the days? And here I sound like an old man in a white shirt hanging out and, you know, doing this show. But, but where are the days where you just go out and play, you do the job you're paid to do, you do it well, you have other people that can talk about and write about it. Lord knows there's millions of them out there or talk about it, about how well you play. Why do you have to write about how well you play? I mean, why? Why do you have to walk around all the time thumping your own chest and talking about how great you are, how great you play? Why can't you just go out, play, do your job? Do you ever see Joe Burrow doing that? Does Joe Burrow ever walk around? Does Jamar Chase ever walk around and send out on Twitter after games? All right, 11 catches for 178 yards. Travis Kelsey do that nonsense? Patrick Mahomes do that nonsense? No. I don't think he was really necessarily calling out his play. I think he was calling out Diggs and how poorly he played. Well, well but, you don't but, think that, 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 that Apple is implying that one of the reasons Diggs played so poorly was because of him? Oh, well, yeah, I, I do think he was implying it. But if you look at the whole season, Eli Apple hasn't really talked a whole lot. This no, whole he season. has not. And until, until this point. Well, it's and, always in the playoffs with Eli. It's always the playoffs. Yeah. He just shows back up. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I... I actually like this. I like having a little fire from my defense. I like the, the smack talk from my backup corner when he's shutting down one of the elite pass catchers in the league. And yes, he, get, he does get burnt on double moves, but he didn't get burnt on a double move this time. He played very well. Yes, he did. And on top of that, the thing that's not getting talked about a lot is Cam Taylor Britt and how well he played. If you go back and look at the numbers, I mean, he was just balling. I mean, they didn't target him a whole lot. And when they did, it wasn't very good. Hey, the young man is getting a chance to play after a Wouzier went down. We wondered, you know, is this guy capable of playing uh, as a corner when he came out, correct me if I'm wrong, as a safety? Yeah. So he's played really, really well. There's no doubt about it. Some AJ wrote on the chat, this all started with, with Muhammad Ali. Look, my, I, don't know. I mean, AJ, uh, listen, I don't know whether you're old enough to remember, really remember uh, uh, Muhammad Ali. I mean, this guy, 90% of the time, it's all tongue-in-cheek and just, I mean, having a good time. I mean, some of his interviews with Howard Cosell are as legendary, and I'd highly recommend if they're on YouTube, go find them. Because, I mean, one guy was jerking the other guy around back and forth because Howard, very smart guy, uh, and he loved Ali, and Ali loved him. And they both understood, you know, they gave each other some pub, and they played off the thing, and, you know, talking about Joe Frazier, I'm a bad man. A little bit different than what we're getting out of Eli Apple. 
Well, There's no comparison. My, my one thing, you're not going to get me saying what he did was wrong. You're not going to get that out of me because I'm an Eli Apple stan, and I'll admit it. The dude, since being a Bengal, has played beyond expectations, and he deserves, for one, a better contract than a one-year, $4 million deal. He deserves to get second second starting money, at least, somewhere. But, no. but I'm happy that he's here. I'm yep. happy that he's playing well. I agree. And the one thing I would implore him to do is to just – I would like to see him talk this after the Super Bowl. I just want him to, to just wait a little bit longer. <laughs> I, I love if the Bengals win the Super Bowl and he plays well. <laughs> oh my you're going to get more than your fill of that. Yeah, I mean, it'll, Fine be, with me. it'll be all over Twitter. And uh, rightfully so, in my opinion, because I think he gets a lot of flack for one reason or another being on multiple different teams and those teams not liking him from his But don't you think career. he brings that on himself? I do. I do. But I think he feeds off of it, too. I agree. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I mean, bu- Buffalo fans were not – pleased with all this and and given how much the two cities had connected over the last few weeks with the DeMar Hamlin thing you know one thing we hadn't talked about I don't know if you saw it Tom that ad that Western and Southern ran right before the game the montage of of all no but I saw where someone uh tweeted about I can't remember but I Mo Egger tweeted about it too I had I had tweeted about it Mo tweeted about it. it it was a it was a cool ad that Western and Southern ran just about it was a compilation of all the photos from everything that had gone on you know, over the last few weeks with Cincinnati and, right. and DeMar and everything and then getting DeMar back to the game. And, um, you know, I now I, I think the tide has, has turned a little bit with uh, with Buffalo fans now after having lost this game, needless to say. I don't, I don't know how much love is lost now with Buffalo after. That, that, and see, this is the thing. Buffalo didn't just lose this game to Cincinnati the other day. They got pounded. Yes, they they got dominated. They got bullied. Mm. And... I think everybody now on Twitter, all of the Buffalo fans are starting to have to realize they're starting to have to swallow the fact that and they, they, they were crowned the Super Bowl champions before the season. And it, it just didn't work out like that. And maybe now they're going to have to go back. They're going to have to reevaluate. They're going to have to figure things out. And Reed made a great point on the box lunch yesterday. Josh Allen has regressed without Brian Dable and, Look at his turnover issues that he's had. I mean, he is not – he's not what he was a year ago. Well, I got to tell you, um, I, I really think that that elbow had something to do with it because if you look at – they put up a stat somewhere yesterday where early in the season through his first eight games and then what his numbers look like after he suffered the elbow injury against the Jets, that was a loss to the Jets. Um, his numbers were just not the same. Now, could that be in part uh, without having a day bowl there? Perhaps. But, you know, Allen, he's been too good in a short amount of time in the league to not think that the injury had something to do with it. I do give him all the credit in the world yesterday. He was asked about the injury. He did not bring it up in his press conference. He was asked about the injury and said, look, I was hurt, and he was on the injury list every week the rest of the season, including the week uh, of the Bengals' playoff game last week. They had him on the injury report elbow every single week. Uh, And he said, look, 
Uh, I had to change my mechanics a little bit uh, for a while there because of the pain. He said, but the last two weeks, he says, not bothered me at all. And in those last two weeks, he was not very good. I mean, even in the Miami game, he was not very good. Two picks, three fumbles, lost one. What do we have here? Super chat, $10 super chat from Rowdy Every Point. Rowdy Every Point. Yep. Says the Bengals front office over the last three years has been exceptional. If they can find a way to keep Burrow, Higgins, and Chase together, then that clearly establishes Bengals front office as the best in the NFL. Well, look, we've talked about it before, and we're going to have him on the show when the season's over. He's already agreed to do so. I mean, Duke Tobin is a guy who deserves the credit. Uh, I, I think that it was – I think it was um, uh, Ted Karras who made the comment that when he got to training camp with the Bengals, that he was looking around at the guys that he – you know, you pretty much knew were going to be backup offensive linemen for this team. Um, two of which are in a starting lineup. Now, Volson, you didn't know what was going to happen with him. He was a rookie, and he, he had a legitimate chance to start, and he won the job. He started every game. But, you know, he was looking at guys like Sharping, Carmen, Identity, looking at these guys, and he's saying, this is the best, is, is basically in a nutshell, he was saying, this was the best group of players as far as depth and quality that he had ever been around on an NFL team during training camp. He's looking around and he's saying, that guy would have started for one of the teams I've played for. That guy would have started on every team I've ever played for. And you're talking about a guy who's played on a lot of good teams. A lot. He's never lost in a championship game. 3-0 and in championship games, both at New England and Tampa Bay. So, you know, Duke Tobin... Same thing in a secondary. Uh, not only the players they acquired like Eli Apple, right, bringing in Awuzier, bringing in Mike Hilton as free agents, but then you look at the drafting. You just mentioned Cam Taylor Britt. You know, the Hill kid has done some good things. He's still young, not played as much as some of the other guys. They brought in uh, Jesse Bates as a draft pick. They brought in Von Bell as a free agent. They bring in Hendrickson as a free agent. They make a trade for B.J. Hill. I announced a lot of games B.J. Hill played in the New York Giants. He's a good player. He's a really good player for the Bengals. Really good. They bring in Reader as a free agent. This is all your scouting and your player personnel people. And they say it's funny because when the Bengals stunk three years ago, and look, they've had a lot of years where they've stunk. But when they stunk three years ago, all you heard about and read about was the Bengals have the lowest, the fewest number of people in their scouting department compared to any other team in the NFL. By far the fewest. Spending the least amount of money of any team in the National Football League. I don't read anybody talking about that now. I don't read it. And it's not like they bulked up the scouting department, at least not to my knowledge. They asked their coaches, position coaches, to do that more than any other team in the National Football League. To evaluate players. And this is what we talk about all the time with coaches, how hard these guys work. It's mind-boggling. Especially for a team like the Bengals. Because they ask their position coaches to look at film and video. 
play-by-play stuff. Yeah, they lean on analytics and probably pro football focus and whatever it might be to decide whether or not you're going to bring in this player as a free agent. So you go look at all these potential free agent players on film. Then you look at all these potential college kids coming out that you might want to draft. Not just the first rounder. I mean, most of that stuff's no-brainer stuff. Or the second round. But what about the fifth round? What about the sixth round? What about Volson? Right? Right. I don't read anybody being critical now of the Bengals player personnel department and scouting. Yeah, and the one thing that I used to be on the opposite end of this, I used to complain about it a lot, but as of late, when you really look at the Bengals, even in the last, like since the 2000s probably, um, they hit more than they haven't hit on players. Yep. And the coaching staff is the one is the one guy that's going to know for sure if that's the guy that you want or not on your team. A scout, you know, they're they're gauging maybe based off of scheme, but maybe not based off of performance or based off of measurables and those are the things that clearly Luana Rumo, I mean, at the beginning, you know, he didn't have his guys. Uh, our defense was really, really bad. Yep. And same with same with Zach Taylor. And slowly over time, when they started adding and plugging in their guys, their system guys, their players that we thought, wow, why why did we pick here with for that? Well, we picked a bunch of linebackers one year, and then we picked a bunch of secondary guys this year. And look where it's gotten us. We're in a better spot than we've ever been. Um one more game away from another Super Bowl, yep. second in a row. And it's really credit to to that philosophy, I think. I think that thinking has really helped turn the Bengals around. Well, look, you know, in, in, in any sport, you have to have your core of stars. And in football, it starts at the quarterback. The Bengals were terrible, terrible three years ago. They were so bad, it earned them the first pick in the draft. All right? So they hit the lottery by being crummy. They did. And we all agree universally that even during the Marvin years, and, and, and again, Duke Tobin was there in that role then. Uh, he, he's gotten an elevation as far as the title is concerned. But he, 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 him and Marvin were doing that whole thing. Marvin was a great talent evaluator. Uh, couldn't win a big game. He's 500 coach. But... He could evaluate and still can evaluate talent. But they hit the lottery with Burrow, right? They hit the lottery with Chase, okay? And then they decided for the first time in the history of the franchise they were going to start spending money. That's where it all changed. The whole thing changed with the core, right? You had Boyd here already, good player. Second-round pick, how in the world, T. Higgins? It's a shame on every team in the NFL for how that guy slips to the second round in the draft. Mind-boggling. Yep. Wasn't like he was some, you know, extra piece here at Clemson. This guy was a stallion. Yep. Stud. Big-time teams, big-time games, right? How he slipped to the second. I don't know, but the Bengals took him in the second round, right? So now you, you, you start to get that core. But then when they spent the money, it all changed. Burrow, Chase, 
spent the money on the defense with free agents. Because by and large, you look at this entire team right now, if Awuzie was here, this entire team, the, the overwhelming majority of this defense are free agent players, right? The impact right. guys, yeah. okay? Reeder, Hendrickson, Hill, these are or in trades, okay? You drafted Hubbard, so that's on this side. You drafted Logan Wilson, right? Yep. Okay, but then you bring in Hilton, you bring in Apple, you bring in Awuzie, you bring in Von Bell, okay? Over here you still have Jesse Bates. So that changed. You were good enough last year with a terrible offensive line to get to the Super Bowl. So what did they do? They went out and they spent it this year. They are a far better team this year than they were last year. Agreed. No question about it. They are a better team. Now, does that mean they win Sunday? No, it doesn't. Because you just don't know what's going to happen once you get on the field. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it looks like it's probably looking like, I mean, based on you know the tone, watching that Zach Taylor press conference yesterday, Williams and Cap aren't coming back for this game. I mean, I think they should rest them and make sure that they're 100% for the Super Bowl. But <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, I think the, the other thing people don't realize, too, with that discussion about the, the, the scouting department is that they're also responsible for scouting and talent evaluation of free agent players. So they, they've done an excellent job as of late in the last three years of getting guys that they thought that they could win with and guys that they can really gel. I mean, this locker room chemistry has never been any better. Yep. And everyone's got their back. There's no griping. There's no bad blood at all. Um, it, it will really be a test here soon when we don't have a lot of money, when we have to hit on the draft again, how well we perform in that area. To me, I feel like we've been we've been hitting very well. Maybe not um, like we can't really grade this draft right now. But if we had to, I would I would give it a B plus. I mean, CTB. I mean, he's a big reason why we're here right now. I mean, could you imagine if we had Eli Apple and some guy from the free agency? Like I can't even remember who our our third guy was last year. He's been that big of an impact that you know. Next year, I feel comfortable with him being at the number two spot. Whereas, you know, we had question marks there. I mean, this team has rounded out so well. There's so many positions that have just been covered that we're sitting here talking about a third pass rusher and maybe a potential tight end when we have Hayden Hurst. And we could potentially Well, look, you can't him. keep them all. It's been documented, okay? You know I mean, somebody's going to have to draw the line in the sand. And, look, people don't like talking about it. Hell, I don't like talking about it because you still got games left to play this year. Huge games, the biggest games. Championship game, potential Super Bowl game. But somebody's going to have to draw the line in the sand down there, whether it's Katie Brown, Katie Blackburn, or Mike Brown, or Duke Tobin, or whoever, Troy Blackburn, makes the decisions on the contracts and you've got your people in there about the, the salary cap and we know about Burrow is going to be paid higher than any quarterback in the history of the game, any player in the history of the game. That's a fact. He's going to make more money than Mahomes. But, but all these guys you're talking about now, you know, sooner or later, you're going to have to draw the line in the sand. Eli Apple, 
been a good player. You want to pay him? He's making $4 million this year. You want to pay him 8 or 12 next year? I don't think so. Logan Wilson? No chance. I'll go find a linebacker that can play well for me. Right. I, I'll, I mean, I'll go find that guy. They're definitely you know, and then, then, then you start getting into the really big guys. Now you start getting into Boyd. And you start getting into Jesse Bates. I think it's a foregone conclusion. He probably doesn't come back here next year. Well, now you got to replace him. And you got to replace a guy who's replacing him. Right? Now, Cincinnati, it's pointed out in the chat, it's a great point. Cincinnati is becoming a destination where before nobody wanted to play here. Nobody. Almost on the single sole reason that you didn't have an indoor practice facility. And that's not a joke. I mean, look, these players, nobody likes running around outside when it's 10 degrees for three months or 20 degrees for three months and practicing outside. Players do not like it. You know, their facility down there, you know, for a long, long time, it was an embarrassment. They've upgraded all of that stuff. And now people watch the Bengals and the atmosphere at Paycor, and it's a place you want to be. But at what price? Something's got to give, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think they'll, sorry, do you want to say something? No, go ahead. Um, I, yeah, they, they will have hard decisions here in the near future to make, but I have faith in this staff that they will make the right choices. And for some of those players that you listed, like Eli Apple, I thought he deserved that contract last year. But because of the way that Super Bowl kind of went down and, you know, you give up three catches, but that just happens to be against the one of the best receivers in all of football, and both of them are for touchdowns. I mean, that's a tough spot to be in. I think that uh, I hope he finds a good contract in the near future, just kind of getting back on point with Eli Apple. But I won't be surprised. This Bengals defense is underrated, and it's always been like that. These players that play so well for us, they might not get top money. And if they don't get top money, why would they go anywhere but back to Cincinnati? At the end of the day, Casey, I've asked myself that same question for 30-something years about, you know, and the comments made, uh, I'm trying to remember who it was yesterday, um, made the comment about, you know, walking out in the, the field in Buffalo and all the orange and talking about the relationship between the, the, the fans and the city and this team and all those kinds of things. And, and I, I would always say to myself, well, you know, if I can make $7 million over there and I really don't know the coaches and I don't know the players and, you know, the new scheme and all that kind of thing, and, you know, but I can make five and a half here and stay here and I like it here, my family likes it here, and I know the coaches, although some might get hired as heads coaches, but I know the coaches, I know the organization, I know the fans. You know, maybe I'll take the 5.7 instead of the 7. Negative. That's that old adage about money talks and you know what walks. <laughs> if Hayden Hurst is offered, and I'm picking him randomly, I don't know him, so maybe he would be the exception to the rule. But he's a perfect example. He's had an outstanding year. Everybody loves this guy. I mean, everybody loves this guy. His teammates, the fans, everybody. But if Hayden Hurst gets offered eight or nine million to go play somewhere else next year, and he gets offered five or six or seven here, he's going for eight or nine. 
Paul, talks. you were getting ready to say something. Yeah, I was getting ready to say something tangential to all of this about Zach Taylor. I think that this front office deserves a lot of credit for not giving up on Zach Taylor after he started 625-1 in his first two years because there are a lot of teams. Look at the, the Broncos this year, and this is not – this is not – let me make this very clear. This is not to stump for Nathaniel Hackett. But there are a lot of teams that would have pulled the cord on Zach Taylor after two years, which in the NFL at times can be a decent enough sample size to, to figure out ah, maybe this guy doesn't know what's going on here. But this front office had the foresight to know that they hired an offensive-minded head coach and more specifically a quarterback-minded head coach. He was quarterback's coach out there with Sean McDermott. In, uh, not Sean McDermott, <laughs> Sean McVay in L.A. They hire a quarterback coach. He doesn't have his guy. They want to get him his guy. They don't give up on him after going through the depths of hell in the first two years of his tenure. They get him his guy, and then not only do they get him his guy, they get his guy weapons to even be more of his guy. Yep. And now all of a sudden... Look at what he's done with people calling for him to be an NFL coach of the year and somebody coaching circles around the entire staff of Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills, who forever now this year, people had crowned as, as the preseason Super Bowl champion. So I think that this front office deserves a lot of credit. And I know I haven't hit the button yet for you, Tom, on Zach Taylor, but I'm pretty close. And I think that, that this is a, a great spot for the Bengals to be in with a coaching staff that has been intact. You can see what Lou Anarumo has done. You can see what Brian Callahan's done, what Frank Pollock's done with the offensive line and, and getting some of his guys that he's needed to be more successful this year. It, it's just a, a credit and a testament to the patience that you have to have in such an impatient society Okay, and right where now. does that patience begin? It begins in ownership. Yes. Okay, now there is... Everything you said is spot on. I would make the argument that they were too patient with other people, starting with Marvin Lewis. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I've said it before. I've said it again. The Bengals were the biggest embarrassment as a franchise in professional sports when Marvin Lewis took this job. He cleaned up so many messes that most of us will never know about. Okay, and he, he turned this into a roster. I remember like it was yesterday. Those years the Bengals were getting beaten in the, in the playoffs in the first round. I talked to guys like Pete Carroll and talked to some of these guys as I'm going around the league and they're talking about the Bengals roster. They're like, Bengals have the best roster in the NFL. Best roster in the NFL. Top to bottom. And they couldn't win a playoff game. Now, inside the chat, okay, David brings up a very interesting question. It's a fair question. But, David, I think you need to open your mind a little bit, too. He says, what on God's green earth makes you think this management team will be able to sustain this success? They're not the Steelers or the Chiefs and definitely not the Patriots. David, okay, spot on. They're not the Steelers. They're not the Patriots. They're not the Chiefs. But in the last few years, 
they have shown you signs that it's a management team that has changed its thinking. You have to start somewhere. My dear friend, the late, great Harry Carey used to say all the time, and it sounds ridiculous, but it's true. You can't win four in a row until you win three in a row. Duh. But look, with the Bengals, instead of going back over the long history of it, let's just start with Joe Burrow's arrival, and let's see what happens now moving forward. Okay? It's the second straight year. He's been healthy. They've protected him. And it's the second straight year they've played in the AFC Championship game. When's the last time the Steelers played in the championship game? When's the last time? I'm not talking about what they did eight years ago. When's the last time Tomlin won a playoff game? It's been a while. I love Tomlin. Never had a losing record. One of my favorite coaches in the league. But let's not get carried away here. The Chiefs, I mean, look, a thousand years ago, yeah, won Super Bowls. All right? They had Alex Smith. They brought him in. They were a team good enough to get to the playoffs just to get their tails kicked. They bring in Andy Reid. They luck into Patrick Mahomes, just like the Bengals lucked into uh, Joe Burrow. Now, all of a sudden, they played in five straight championship games. Would you agree that in the last three years, okay, let's say last two years, the Bengals roster is a better roster than the Kansas City Chiefs. It can, it's completely undeniable without a doubt, right? And the Chiefs have taken steps backwards. Tyreek Hill walks out the door. Right? No, I'm not blaming them for letting them walk out the door. They didn't want to pay him, but they paid him fine. But all you can do is start somewhere and say, okay, maybe the ownership, not maybe, they changed their mind. They spent money on the defense one year. They spent money on the offensive line the next year. And here we are in Cincinnati playing in a second straight AFC championship game. Do I think this management team, based on history, no. But based on recent history, I think there's a chance they can sustain it. Especially knowing that the quarterback is going to be here. And good Lord willing, he's healthy. Ham and Eggers, take it away. No Zim again today. I just wrote him. No Zim. I mean, Where I don't is know. the man? I have no idea. Take it away. Zim who day? It's that type of the show, the Ham and Eggers. These guys are great. Trust me, I would know. I introduce all the best segments. Well, fifty percent blockage there. What's we, up? We uh, did not hit the Casey parlay. Yeah. So what's the status of of Casey McAllister? So Brandon Seho is going. Brandon Seho is going to Kansas City, and he is going to the game. Which means we're going to need a skyline chili greater than sign barbecue sign. That's what that's what we're going to see. Well, I mean, are you are you for the brand or are you against the brand? Are you a, are you genuine or are you a fraud? Well, That's the question. I'm going to let you answer that internally, Brandon. What about Andy Reid, mustache, my mustache? Well, all right. Your mustache is greater than Andy Reid's mustache. All right. We we'll can work with that. that. We'll all right. That. The Day stash, greater than sign. All right. Uh, Casey, what is what are we doing about you getting you out there to Kansas City? 
Well, yesterday I was just one team away from covering to get 200, which would then get me in a pretty good spot. I would just need to win, you know, a couple hundred here. In position to be in position. Yes. In the catbird seat. But now uh, just the Celtics, man, they killed me last night. Yeah, Celtics did not come through last night. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I did some research and I – the Magic, they're, they're something else at home right now this season. They're like 15-6 and six covering the spread. Casey, so. I appreciate how hard you work on the NBA. I you know. might work as hard on the NBA as I work on college basketball. You put I, in I the put time. In some, I put in some time and effort to it. I walk out there I, yesterday, I and I just see you grinding away on the stats, scrolling spreadsheets. And I'm, not even, I'm not even trying to mess with you. I'm serious. No, I mean, like, I – I won't lie. I do use some outside sources that help me That's configure, fine. to configure the parlays. But a lot of the parlays that these betting sites give you, yeah, they take a player that's like their sixth man and they expect him to make two or three threes in the game. Sure. And he just did that last week or like last game. And it's like, he's not going to do it again. Like some yeah. of the, eventually the trends have to stop. Right. Yeah. And that's the, that is the key is to finding that and to to figure out where those trends stop. And I do a lot of research into trying to find that out, and sometimes I hit and sometimes I don't. I've been kind of cold as of late. Um, but I only – the problem is I – this week I'm probably only going to be betting spreads. There we go. Just because I want to save some money and – I'm only trying to hit on games, and I picked four games last last week or just this, this Monday, last Monday. Didn't hit on all of them. I hit on three of them: Baylor, Northwestern, which oh, what a game Northwestern was. Yeah, and uh, that was a great, that was a fun game. Yeah, I, I was fooled. I was watching it on the ESPN app, and it apparently did not end at sixty-six to sixty-two. Nope. Um, no, no, no. It was no. It did not. Uh, Tom, we got somebody in here for Who's you. Who's that? Look at this. Oh my God, He's he is here. alive. He's here. He's alive. He's here. Look at this man. <laughs> Tom is mad at me. You're living on Twitter. You know, you're scrolling <laughs> all the all the. Uh, now that you're back and you're you're activated. Um, you know, the whole nine yards, but uh, it's good to have you back, my man. I don't know how to act. Ever since they gave me my Twitter back, I just get caught up in these scrums and everybody's just pulling me and like, get over here, Zem. And I, all, I'm, all I'm doing is posting good content. And then all of a sudden, it's like all these Patricia fans, these Patricia Mahomes fans, they're just like, no, like, get get over here. And like, they, they just don't want to hear about the greatness of Joe Burrow, and I don't get it. I don't understand. If he's if Patricia is who y'all saying he is, how come that they'll do everything in their power to try to give you diversion tactics and, and, and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, the defense is so amazing. Yeah, that's cool, but let's talk about Joe Burrow. You know what I mean? But they don't want to do that because they know that I'm a threat. They know that number nine is coming, um, headed to Burrow head, and – and this thing is, you know, like, here we are. Here we are. We're back where we left off. Same thing. I thought after I, I, I packed these boys up three times, I thought it'd be a little bit more love for, for number nine. I'm sorry about that. 
You know, I, uh, Zim, uh, you look at a game the other day, my man, and, and you caught it. I, I mean, I give you the credit. I, by the way, what, what the hell's wrong with your camera here? I mean, it, it looks Zim, uh, Zim funny. W- wipe your thumb wipe over that, the camera. Wipe, wipe, yeah, clean that thing up a little bit. You look too good. You're too handsome to have a, you know, a, a, there, there, there you go. go. We're getting better there. Okay. Is All it right, better? better? Yeah, yeah it's you're all better. better. You're better. All right. Um, Bro, my son be like using his thing. Yeah, I get like, it. I, I get it. Believe me, I know. I know. Um, so, uh, look, you were the guy that called it. Joe Mixon, your guy. I mean, you laid it out there. I, I, you know, I was the one who suggested to you that maybe, you know, your guy uh, should, should be handing off some of those, th- those carries to Pirine. But Mixon, for my money, Mixon was the best player on the field on Sunday. That's crazy. I hadn't thought about that. You feel like he was the best player on the field? Dude, he, I, I thought, I just thought he, look, I mean, Burrow's always going to be the guy that gets this or gets that and all that. Yeah. But for me, I thought on Sunday, I thought Mixon was the best player on the team for that game. 20 carries, over 100 yards. You could have given him the ball 35 times in that game and he'd have run. He for was two killing. He, uh, he, he was liked that snow. He liked that snow, didn't he? I, I, I'm a, you know what's so crazy? I just felt like, man, this team is so good. It's so yeah. good. It's so many game balls to give out. You know, I hadn't thought about it like that. You know, of course, you know, me and him talk about like how, like, you know, like these are the different things that you can exploit. These are, you know, like, and he was, he was really good. I thought the offensive line opened up some holes, though, that he normally doesn't get a chance to see, too. Yep. And I thought, like, even when you're looking forward to this matchup, think about this. For all the P. Ryan enthusiasts, I love it. I think that's a dope concept to really be behind a guy. Like, I always say every team needs a P. Ryan. Every team wants a Joe Mixon, in my mind. Because we, even when I go back and look, I was watching that cheese game in December earlier. Man, there's some runs on there. If y'all think P. Ryan was going crazy on them, because remember, he ran for about 109 yards in that game. If they show Mixon those same looks, he could run for 150, like 180 or something like that. He has big playability. And I think a lot of people have two different styles of, you know, how they view the running back position. And then they kind of subconsciously put the money conversation into it. Like, well, if I, if I pay my guy $12 million, he needs to be, you know what I mean? Like, you got yeah. those people, too. Those, those. Uh, so, I just think that Mixon and P. Ryan are like a, a, a crazy duo. And um, in the, in, in the NFL is leading to that. And I thought, like, Mixon has that big playability. And people saw it. If he gets the correct angle on you, I thought it started in the Saints game. There's a play, like, on the sideline. I think it's, like, their best linebacker and Demario Davis or something. He's got a one-on-one with him on the side. I mean, like, whew. And then the dude just goes flying by. I said, oh, he's back. And I told Mixon that. I said, man, you're you're running at a high level, and they just don't understand it yet. Then he started stacking some games up. And, I mean, our team is crazy like this, too, because you can't just look at rushing stats. So many teams play us in cover two, or so many teams come to the game and say, well, we're going to stop the run and keep everything in front of us. But the extension of that is – throwing the football, and P. Ryan and Mixon have more catches than Tyler Boyd. So, like, one thing that they don't talk about is, like, him catching out of the backfield. And I thought he murdered 
He murdered the Bills. Like Matt Milano and them, like with all due respect, I heard he was all pro. You mean to tell me there's only three linebackers in the league better than that dude? He made him look like he was a rookie out there. Like, so you're right. I hadn't thought about that. Like, Mixon was really good in that game. All right, let me ask you this now. We move past Buffalo, even though, you know, you are just continuing to disintegrate on Twitter, uh, every Buffalo fan I think that's ever lived. Uh, but, but now to Kansas City, okay? And, and here we go with, you know, beat them three times in a calendar year, Burrowhead Stadium, uh, all that kind of thing. <laughs> I asked you Tim, like that, don't you? I love it. I love it. I asked, um, I asked Tim McGee this yesterday uh, on the show. You know, Zach Taylor made a comment, you know, progressing as Jonah Williams, progressing as Alex Kappa. His tone and tenor to me, and I'm not getting Freudian here, but it sounded to me like they're not going to play. But even if they could play, even if you got them at, say, 75-80%, after what I saw last week, Zim, uh, I'd have a hard time making any changes on that offensive line that took the field in Buffalo. But this is a different cat now with Kansas City. I think we all agree statistically Buffalo is a better defense. But I would make the argument that Kansas City is a better pass rush. You agree or disagree? I, I don't. Think about, uh, if, from my perspective, if I'm the Bengals, like, think about the losses, and we talked about this earlier in the year on the show. The teams that beat us had Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and TJ Watt up front, and then the Ravens, who probably have, like, if not the best, like, the top three defense in the NFL. You mean to tell me, like, Frank Clark and an aging Carlos Dunlap? Like, I just can't – I don't see it. I, I feel like – I thought the Bills defensive line rotation of Boogie Basham, Espinanza, all – I am, like, if you told me before the season, I thought that the Bills on paper had one of the best fronts in the NFL. In the walk out of that game and Joe, Joe Burrow only takes, like, one sack for, like, two yards or whatever, I just don't see – I don't see the depth and I don't see everything with the Chiefs. Like, I know the sack numbers are there. I just can't see it. Like, after going through what we've gone through with this team, you know, like, I mean, bro, you, you almost beat Aaron Donald, you know, in a Super Bowl. Like, it with Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap ain't moving me. I'm sorry. Right, what about like, Chris I, Jones? I, I mean, look, Buffalo didn't have Chris Jones. Chris Jones, the last time we played him in December, the tape is disgusting. If I was a Chiefs fan, I wouldn't even want him on my team. He gave up on like three or four plays that I've outlined on my Twitter. He was a non-factor, didn't register a pressure or a sack. Doesn't even have a playoff sack to date. I think nothing of Chris Jones in this moment right now. I, I think he's a fine player, but when they needed him the most, we packed him up and we put him on a plane just like the rest of them, Tom. But what was the word you used? You What was a it teaching belt. Tom today? Put a seatbelt on him, Zim. Teaching Tom, put a seatbelt. <laughs> Putting seatbelts on them boys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, look, like it's do or die now. We're in the final four. You guys like NCAA and you, you watch college more than me. We're in the final four. It's, it's put up or shut up time. Like, you can't tell me the strength of, like, the weakness to me would be on the tackle positions for the offensive line. If that, right? The interior, I feel good about Teddy football. I feel good about what I saw from Max Sharpen. I think if Alex Kappa has a chance to play, maybe I play him. I think Jonah will hold out. I mean, we got a real conversation. I thought you were about to ask me, what if Jonah says he's ready to play? 
That's some real conversation. What do you think? Let me ask you this. What do you think? If Jonas said, yeah, I'm at 90-something percent and I feel really good, do you start him over Jackson Carmen? You know what? I'm not. I'm not. If you were talking about um, a Pro Bowl player or you were talking about a guy who's had an outstanding season, uh, absolutely. I'd put him back in there. But, look, I, I, I've said it once. I've said it a thousand times on this show. I give Jonah Williams all the credit in the world. He dislocated his kneecap earlier this year. He did not miss a single game. He was back the next week. And I give it up to the guy. Guys like that, I want on my team. But uh, he's allowed 12 sacks. He has not had a great year. Uh, Jackson Carmen gets his first start at left tackle in the NFL. It's where he played in college. Um, I know it's only one game, so I don't want to go too crazy like a lot of people do. If a guy stinks for one game, you want to throw him in the ocean. If he's great for one game, you want to put him in the Hall of Fame. But I thought the guy played well enough where he ought to start this week, especially if he's at 100% and another guy's not at 100%. So, Zim, we got to let you run. Uh, You were late getting to us today, and uh, you got to come back now later in the week so we can really break down your guy, Patrick Mahomes, in the Kansas City Chiefs. (laughs) Hey, look, they want to say Patrick Mahomes versus Burrow. Uh Uh-uh. It's Patrick Mahomes versus Ludini, Lou Anarumu. And I'm telling you right now, I like my chances. Ludini's cooking up something in the lab for Patricia right now as we speak, Tom. I, I'm telling you, I'm sorry. I, I'm very confident. I know that there's some viewers that be like, man, these guys are so cocky. No, I'm confident. I believe in what I've seen, and I trust my eyes. I think you're wearing some awesome glasses on. You see it. These are called cheaters. These are old man glasses that I can pick up at, uh, you know, uh, Walgreens for, for eight or nine bucks, Jim. So, you know, uh, they are what they are. Well, hey, look, well, I, I think you're seeing what I'm seeing these days. Even when you take them off, I feel like as the, you know how I had to wipe off the camera, I feel like yeah. your vision just got, like, everything just started opening up for you. I think you're seeing what, even the questions you just asked me, you were like, I mean, like, what about Chris Jones? You don't think Chris Jones could do nothing with me. You know I got number nine. You know what I know. We in savage mode now. It's, it's do or die. You know what I know. You just got to ask those questions for the viewers. I know what you're on. You you want to, you really got that, you know, you got that dog in you. It's time to let it out. Roof. You know what I'm saying? You see how quick that was? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to let that thing roll. It's time. Zim, you're the man. You're the man. All right, we're coming back later in the week. We thank Zim Hude. Now, Thanks, I mean, Zim. Is that guy? Does that guy not get you fired up? You wish the game was played right now. now That's the man. He, he is. How and about just, that Chris Jones take? Oh, man. He, ta- he came in and brought his A game today. And you know who else is bringing his A game today? Wait till you see what Doc is bringing to the table right now. Really? Fire him on up here, Casey. All right, let's go. Paul Doherty, themorningline.substack.com. I'll tell you what. If there's one person that has been bringing his A game to the table in the last couple of days, it's Doc. Oh, my God. Look (laughs) at this. Oh, my gosh. We asked about, you talked about the glasses. Your son gave them to you. We asked you about the cigar. You didn't have it last week. You must have run down to UDF and picked up one of those cigars. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> doctor looking good UDF. I, you UDF. know I, I when i go buy cigars and i'll have them every now and again i love sitting out by a fire pit uh and i love drinking a few beers maybe mix in a little whiskey in there and um 
and love having a cigar, I'll just run right around the corner and pick one up at UDF. I'm not a big highfalutin guy like you are up there. No, that, no, you don't have to be highfalutin to smoke a decent cigar. I mean, you're going around a corner and you're picking up some Swisher Sweets, are you? No, 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 not Swisher Sweets, huh. but they have two or three other brands in there. They're good enough for me. I don't, I don't have them a lot, so you know. Uh, they're good enough for More me, but, 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 but Doc, you brought your A game here. I mean, you, you are, I mean, every single week, you remind me a lot of, of, of the Bengals' ownership. You're just getting better as the years go by. Hey, I learned at the feet of the Masters. <laughs> Who would that be? Mike Brown. Who, who well, do you think I'm talking about? Well, I mean, you know, I, I was just getting into it with, uh, with, with with one of the guys in our chat about, you know, how in the world, what on God's green earth was his quote? What on God's green earth would make someone believe that this management team could keep this thing going? But as you call him, inevitable Joe, when you start there and when you look what they've done in every other area the last two or three years, I think there are a lot of people, Doc, in this town. And, and look, you're right at the top of the list because you, you've been writing here 35-plus years. Uh I would have never believed that the ownership and management team of this franchise could sustain this kind of success moving forward. Now I'd be stunned if they didn't. Well, yeah, it, it really, it, it doesn't take much in the NFL, Tom. Uh, that, that, that sounds weird given how hard it is to, to win a Super Bowl, and the Bills know that firsthand. But you know what? You you can be decent in a hurry in this league if if you get the right quarterback and you make a few smart moves. I mean, look at Jacksonville. Jacksonville got the right quarterback. Built has is starting to build around them. They they were competitive with the team that's supposed to win the Super Bowl this year last week. So the Bengals got the right quarterback. He's a generational talent. Uh, it's interesting now that that all these people four to six weeks ago who, who couldn't put Joe Burrow in the same sentence with, like, uh, Tua Tagovailoa in terms of MVP consideration, now are using words like Tom Brady and Joe Montana in, in connection with, with Joe Burrow. But, but that said, they got the right quarterback. Um, Mike Brown ha ha has loosed the reins, as everybody knows. They've made some very good signings. They, they, they've drafted well, and they have a, a very good coaching staff. And I'll be the first to admit, uh, when they hired Lou Anarumo, first of all, I had, I had to look him up. I had never heard of Lou Anarumo. Uh, and, and second of all, I thought, this guy's never been a coordinator in this league. Not even close. What, what does he know about coordinating a defense? Well, they were smart. They, they have had so few whiffs, Tom, from top to bottom in the last three years. It's, it's incredible. They've done a, a great job by anybody's standards. And by, by old Bengal standards, it's, it's um, beyond incredible. Um, when, when you go back and look at the game uh, on Sunday, Doc, and we talked a little bit about it with Tim McGee last week, uh, I thought the Bengals would go in there and win the game. Um, with all the questions on the offensive line, and you and I discussed this a couple times last week, I had no idea we were going to be looking at just a complete and thorough domination 
uh, in that game. I, I still can't – that that could have easily been a 42-10 to 10 game. Sure. Sure, it could have. Um, I picked the Bills to win by a point. I, I looked at that offensive line. I looked at all the intangible stuff that the Bills should have had going for them. Uh, and I thought, you know, yeah, this is going to be Buffalo's game. I, I whiffed. A lot of people whiffed. Uh, the inevitable Joe Burrow – did it again. I, I mean, as hard as it is for people to believe who haven't watched him every week, he's actually gotten better this year as the year's gone along. And, and the other day, he was the, the first two drives were perfect. I mean, they were perfect. You can't say that about any team in the NFL. You can say that about the way they played in the first quarter. Um, and that said, conversely, Buffalo looked just kind of disinterested. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. I mean... When games like that happen, you kind of walk the line between, you know, one team's really good or the other team really stinks. Um, to which I would say yes on both counts. Buffalo simply was not prepared to play. And I, I, I don't know. They'll have to dig deep and figure out why that is. Um, but Burrow moved up another notch in, in the quarterback rankings. He leapfrogged. Josh Allen, um, you'd like to think that nobody will be talking about Josh Allen in the same sentence ahead of Joe Burrow, but, you know, who knows? Not that they even matters. But the, the Bengals played great. The Bills played like they, they just wanted the season to be over. Um, we'll wait until later in the week to have you back to talk about the Kansas City game a little bit um, and, and, and your thoughts as that gets closer and we learn more about Mahomes, whatever it might be. Um, but it, it, it doesn't it just feel and Tim McGee said to us yesterday, he said, you know, he said, this is something that actually worries him a little bit. When I made the comment that, you know, whether it was Mahomes getting his ankle rolled up on uh, the Bengals had beaten Kansas City three times in a calendar year. Uh, the, the whole chip on their shoulder, the way the Bengals are playing right now, the way they looked on Sunday. Uh, it, it just feels like all the momentum in this game, all the momentum is leading to the Bengals getting back to the Super Bowl. Not saying it's going to happen. It, it just has that feeling, Doc, like like they look like a Super Bowl championship team. Yeah, they do. But how, how much do you trust any of that stuff in the That's NFL? True. That's true. How many times have sat there? Uh, on Sunday morning, picking our little office pool thing and saying, you know, these, this team really hasn't gone on. Uh, and, and then they prove that that's kind of a fleeting thing. It's a, I, th I wrote this a couple times earlier in the year, and I think it's true in the playoffs maybe more so. The NFL season is nothing but a bunch of 17 one-act plays. What you did the week before or the month before has zero bearing on what you're going to do this week. Um, so that said, can you, can you trust that sort of inevitability when it comes to this team finally winning a Super Bowl? I don't, I don't think so. You know, I trust players making plays, and players are human beings, and you don't know how they're going to play. I, I mean, you look at this game, and, and again, like I did with Buffalo, the Bengals seem to have most of the intangibles. And a lot of the tangibles, uh, the first one being Pat, Patrick Mahomes can't run. That's a fairly big intangible in this game. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. It sure looks like 
the, the Bengals have the look of a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl champion. Uh, but but betters who go on looks don't make any money. The, the, the touts love those people. You know, last thing I, I, I want to ask you about, um, you know, I, 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 in the monologue a couple of weeks ago, I made the argument that I've always thought in growing up here, moving away for 20 years, moving back, that I had always thought that Cincinnati, in my opinion, was without question a football town. Now, I, you know, I don't put any stock on how many likes or all that kind of thing you get in social media when you post those kinds of things. They don't mean anything to me. Um, but I just look at, at, at right now this relationship between this city and this football team. I've always said Cincinnati was a football town, not a baseball town. Uh, and I used reference to the days of the Big Red Machine when even when they had the best team, arguably, of all time, they never drew more than 2.6 million fans in a single season. Uh, and, and this Bengals thing, you can't get a ticket to a Bengal game anymore. You can't get near. And I know it's only once a week compared to, you know, 81 home days, no question. But, but th- th- this relationship right now, Doc, I think is, is, it's filtering all the way down into the actual players themselves. And looking in the stands in Buffalo and commenting after the game, I cannot believe how many people are here in Orange. And when they, they come back and Zach Taylor's given game balls and bars and, you know, it, it's Sam Weish-esque and a different kind of thing. I, I just find the whole thing mind-boggling compared to where this franchise has been for most of the time that you and I have ever set foot in this town. Well, yeah. Uh, and I, I've said this forever. I've been here since 88. Uh, I, I don't recall until maybe these past two years – in this entire town, the feeling that that the town had for the team, the way the town had for the '88 team. Uh, I was not here for the other Super Bowl, the '82, but I was here for the '88. It was my first year here. The town was electric. I, I think it's back to being that now. Uh, the, the Reds have never done that, um, not for me anyway. I, I think the Reds suffer from the fact that this is a football country now. It is not a baseball country. It hasn't been for a long time. Uh, people have kids who are 20 years old who have never heard of the Big Red Machine. And I not want to say never heard, but it's not ingrained in them the way the Bengals are. Uh, uh, the Reds are the Big Red Machine and Pete Rose in 1990. Uh, th- that, was, that was 30 years ago, at least. Uh, the Bengals are now. Uh, I think that makes a big difference. I don't know whether this is a football or a baseball town. I think it's a good sports town, but like any other sports town, it supports winners. Uh, it wants to feel as if its teams are, are giving their best effort, just as the fans feel they're giving the teams their best effort. So uh, football, baseball, I, I, I don't know, but I know football is happening uh, nationally. Baseball is not happening nationally, and, and the Reds – are not happening locally either at the moment. All right, last question I want to ask you about. The Hall of Fame baseball ballot is released today. You've written about Scott Rowland. It's very interesting in in stuff that you've written on the morningline.substack.com. Other writers today around the country writing about the prospects 
of Roland, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Carlos Beltran. Um, you think Roland gets in? You know, it's interesting. I, but, but before I ask you that, that question to answer it, um, I, I read today that he was polling in a day and age where everything's about polling. At 79%, you need to get to 75%. But then last year, he was polling up around this same number, but then had a huge drop-off when the actual ballots came in. Do you think Scott Rowland gets in the Hall of Fame tonight? Uh, if he doesn't get in this year, he'll get in next. Uh, it's going to be very close. You're right. I think something, the, the differential has traditionally been like 5% drop-off from what the polling is right before the election and from what the results are. I don't know why that is. Then again, I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't know why a guy after eight ballots is suddenly a Hall of Famer where on ballot number one, he was not. I've never right. quite understood that thinking. And I'm a voter. Do I, 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 I don't know. It's gonna be very close, but like I said, Tom, he's still got eligibility left and he's got quite a lot of momentum. Um, I, I don't see him backsliding from whatever it's going to be, 73, 74, 75. Um, so I think he gets in whether he makes it this year or not. And frankly, uh, I, I think he deserves it. I've, I've come to appreciate more as I've looked deeper into his numbers and, and had the pleasure of, of uh, watching him play here and, and talking to him here. Uh, and that, that made a big impression on me. I've never seen one single baseball player turn a team around, turn an attitude into the right direction the way Scott Rowland did here uh, when the Reds brought him in. All right, Doc. Well, we will catch up later in the week. Uh, you, you know, look, you brought your A game. The, the only thing missing now is you might have to do on, you know, Thursday or Friday, whenever it's convenient for you to join us to make your prediction for the Chiefs game. Is if you if it's warm enough to step outside, and you got to fire that thing up. I you know what I might have to to uh, make a sacrifice for for the good of the town. You know what I mean? I think it's that important that I should go outside and freeze my butt off for the sake of Cincinnati Bengals fans. I agree. I agree. I mean, you come with the glasses. You brought the cigar. You've got that yeah. beautiful setting now around you with pictures of the Masters in the background. And, uh, yep. I mean, you know, there's there, there's there's two more steps to go. You know, you light that thing well, up. I'll, I'll and, and then a Super Bowl. A proper attire next, uh, you know. Your attire is just the fine. There are no attire requirements on this show. None. Yeah, you know what? I don't want to get, like, I don't want to be a clown like the TV people. You know, there's people who wear, like, orange and black striped blazers when yeah. you're doing the weather yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't want to do that okay all right yeah. well no no one's going to ask you to do that on this show whatever attire you're and you know what else in. i won't do you know what else i won't do tom i promise not to throw my chad johnson jersey in the garbage can if the bengals don't win on sunday i'm not yeah. skip bayless no you're you're not that is for sure and we're glad about that Doc, thank you for your yeah. time today, my friend. Have a great rest of your day. All right, brother. Take it easy. That's a morningline.substack.com. How about Doc bringing a cigar? Yeah. Zim and Doc back-to-back. -back. Boom. Love it. Yeah, and you know where we're going in about 14 minutes from now. I'm not sure if we're taking a step up or going right in the tank. It's the greatest 30 minutes of television. 
I got to tell you the one guy, and I'm not going to spend any time or much time on baseball. We will with Tracy a little bit. But, you know, Doc brought up a great point about this thing about, you know, why is a guy good enough to go in when it's his eighth time on the ballot as opposed to his first or second night? Now, look, first time, it's a really big deal for the voters. Doc's one of them. Baseball writers of all ages, okay? They're the only ones that vote. No broadcasters, no baseball people till you go to the Veterans Committee. So it's only the writers. It's very important to them historically to only put certain guys in on the first ballot. And I can appreciate that. I think that makes a statement that there are some guys that are just up here. Johnny Bench, Tom Sieber, Babe Ruth, go on and on and on. Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, all of them, okay? There are guys that go in on the first ballot. And then if a guy goes into second, you're saying Hall of Fame player, no doubt, but just not first ballot Hall of Fame. But I got to tell you, um, and, 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 and I'm going to put aside all of the guys in the quote-unquote steroid era. And everybody's entitled to their opinion on that. The Barry Bonds, the Roger Clemens, the uh, Sammy Sosas, uh, all those guys of the world. Mark McGuire. Um, none of them are in. But the one guy that's up on the ballot, and this is his last year of being on the ballot. And I have to tell you, I watch the guy play minimum 25 to 35 times a year back when I was doing the Diamondbacks games and doing the, the, the Fox Saturday game of the week, almost exclusively the West Coast Fox Saturday game of the week. You think about the number of second basemen that are in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And I don't know off the top of my head how many of them there are. But here's what I know. Jeff Kent has more home runs than any of them. Ever. He has the third most runs batted in of any of them. Ever. And Jeff Kent is down to his last shot at getting voted in by the writers to be a baseball Hall of Famer. I did not like Jeff Kent as a guy. I've told the story many times about he and I getting into it, going toe-to-toe, talking about topic A, topic B, never any yelling and screaming. Uh, But he was a surly, oftentimes nasty guy. Not a bad guy. Good husband, good dad, good family, all those things can be said about Jeff Kent. Nobody's perfect, but he. The only reason the baseball writers, and this is the problem I have with the baseball writers, the only reason they would not put him in and have not put him in the Hall of Fame is because they didn't like him as a guy. And that is shameful. It is absolutely shameful. You're talking about a guy just like all the rest of those major league players. And I don't care if they're Hall of Famers or guys, it's the last guy on the roster. This guy busted his ass day in and day out forever. Start of his career, his surliness, rubbed people the wrong way with the Mets, rubbed people the wrong way in Toronto. He gets to San Francisco. He had gone to Cal Berkeley out there to college. And he was a great offensive player. League MVP, 
Played on the same teams as Bonds. Didn't like Bonds. Bonds didn't like him. They won a ton of games. They got to World Series. This guy is one of the best second basemen to ever play the game. And I can't wait to see what his turnout is going to be. He's not going to make it. Not going to make it. And just because writers didn't like him as a guy. And, and, and you know what? I would bet the ranch. Because Jeff Kent has been gone for a while now. Okay, he's been gone over a decade and a half. Right? This is his final year on the ballot. You get so many years, you got to get a certain percentage, then you're kicked off to the Veterans Committee. Okay? So a lot of these guys that are voting never met Jeff Kent. They just heard a story from another guy or read an article about him or whatever it might be. They never met him. They never covered him. And we might even be at a point where half the guys that are voting as writers now never even saw him play. And those are the guys that are deciding if Jeff Kent should be in the Hall of Fame? I mean, come on. Come on. Come on. Jeff Kent is a Hall of Famer. And unfortunately for him, he's probably not going to get that phone call that tells him tonight at 6 o'clock Eastern time that he is a Hall of Famer. Um, All right. Let's um, see what's going on in the chat here. I have, uh, go ahead, Paul, please. I, I, got a, I got something way out of left field that I'm just going to throw in here because we have about five minutes before Tracy gets yes. in here. This is just something fun I've been thinking about, and I talked about it with the guys out, outside a little bit ago. Do you think, Tom and Casey, that Cincinnati, and I'll leave this to the chat too, does Cincinnati have the best collective group of stadium and arena names of any city in the country. Well, Great American Ballpark. The baseball stadium is the best there is in all pro sports. Great American Ballpark is the best name for any venue in in the country. No doubt. There's no doubt about that. I love Paycor. I think Paycor is a strong, strong name. Fifth third. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I mean, nothing against Paycor, but is the core. The core, I think. I think the core. I think that's a good I've nickname never heard for a that stadium. Term before. The, yeah. the core. People the call core. it the core. You're going down to the core. Yeah. Going down to the core. I've never heard that. It's new. It's new. It's new. I got buddies all over my neighborhood that have season tickets. I've never heard them call well, it the core. I mean, it's only Maybe the first it's an season. Age thing. It's a first season. It's not yeah, like it's been I, around forever. I've heard of it. I, I got your back yeah. on that. It's, I, I mean, it's the first you, season. You, Casey, had never heard of that till he told you that. No. You guys, neither one of you have ever said the core on this show. Paycor is a better it's a better name than Paul Brown was. Nothing to take away from Paul Brown, but pay Paycor is a better name than Paul Brown was. Keep going. The, that's not even like the Fifth Third I think Fifth Third is a good name. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Cintas is a great name. The Toss, that's a great name. The only one that holds Dude, it these back. These are corporate America. But they're, but they're good, but but they're better than Yes, but they're better than... Cintas, I'll give you, because it has, you know, Cincinnati is part of the... I'll give you that one. But they're, but if you think of all these other corporate names, that all of a sudden Cincinnati lucks out with Great American as a corporate name. Paycor is a corporate name. If you're going with corporate names and naming stadiums, 
Cincinnati's got a good collective group of arenas and stadiums. The only one that holds it back is Heritage Bank, but that arena's got its own issues. And don't forget TQL. And TQL, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Am I missing something here, Brandon? No. I mean, no, we're just saying every stadium the in the country has a corporate name on it. Right, but, but some so corpor- what the hell is the difference between Fifth Third Arena? That makes it any better. Nothing against Fifth Third, Cincinnati-based bank, legendary status, billions of dollars managed. What's What's the difference between that and Heinz Field? Well, we're talking about the collected, the collected stadiums. Well, I know, but this is part of that collection. I'm asking you, what is it? You you guys just dispelled Heritage Bank. What's the difference between Heritage Bank Arena and Fifth Third Arena? Too many syllables. Too many syllables. Well, I don't know. It doesn't if that's, roll off the tongue. It's just not as like you say it, and it's easy to say, and it's catchy. That's TQL is easy to say, and it's catchy. You live in this town, and you say it every day. But there, if but, you lived in Pittsburgh and you said Heinz Field it's not Heinz every Field day, it's not Heinz Field anymore. Well, 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 it's I, I know. Acra, I, I know that. Terrible. Terrible. And, and that's Terrible. a shame. Now that's a good example of a yeah. good one versus a bad one. Okay, yeah. but like the one in Cleveland. First Energy. Now that is a great name. Isn't that still the name of the stadium? Yes. Yeah. That's a great name. And we're not arguing that. We're arguing that Cincinnati has the best collection. Collective. Collective. Yeah, Soldier Field is an awesome name in Chicago. Chicago. Chicago's got a good group. United Center. United's great. It's a good group. The chat. Chat's popping off. I knew it would. Oh, my God. I knew it would. Andrew, did you and Paul actually think that I don't know it's not Heinz Field anymore? This isn't a teaching Tom moment in this case. Well, I didn't say that. Oh, you're talking about Paul in the chat. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was going to say I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got Tracy Jones. Arrowhead's a great name. That's a great name. Arrowhead's a great name. It won off stadiums. Arrowhead's a great name. Great American Ballpark's the best name in sports, though. Okay. All right. Time for the Tracer. Best 30 minutes of uh, television twice a week. Tracy Jones, uh, good morning. You're all fired up today. You want to get right into something, please do. I do. I got two great stadium names, Enron and FDX. (laughs) 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 I'm just listening. (laughs) Is that a a seltzer you're drinking, uh, Tracy? You know what? Here's the deal. Uh, This is not a seltzer. This is an energy drink. When you see me drink one of these, that means I got my game on because I have to go to down to a Covington Police Department. There's someone parking in my parking spot for my tenants. They've been there for a couple weeks that on and off. I put a nice little note on their car and I got to go talk to the police. What are my rights? How do I go about getting them towed? Uh, this is a big deal. And, and I'm in a neighborhood, let's just say that's really... I got to watch myself. I'm 62. I'm not a badass anymore. So I got to slow play this. What would you guys do in a situation like that? Would you just go ahead and have it towed? Should you talk to the cops? Well, you know, I'm surprised you spent so much time lately in California. I'm surprised you just didn't do what they do and just smash the windshield in. <laughs> Believe I, I'm not going to tell that, you what I joke. did. That, I'm not endorsing I, that. Right. Well, violence is always a solution for me, Tom. So I got to <laughs> talk to the cops and, and I got 120 grams 
of caffeine. So I'm going to be a little Ooh, on edge. And you know what that means. You never know what's going to come out of this mouth. You know, I thought of you the other day. Um, I was uh, scanning through some different uh, publications and some articles and something, of course, I mean, you know, you being, I think we all agree, uh, right on the cutting edge of thinking uh, and open-mindedness and, and, and willing to grow and to learn. Uh, this article was about all the rage now, which you started doing, I don't know how many weeks, if not months ago, about the, the, this cold tub thing. Are you are you still doing that? Are you feeling any effects of that? It was an interesting you know, I do about the health it, benefits of that. Yeah, it's not every day, but if I feel like I need it, I will jump in for a cold shower, ice cold shower for five minutes. Tom, I'm thinking about doing the bathtub because I think that would be even better. Well, that's so what I, I read that. about. That's what I read about. And I remember, you know, if you, if, you, if you pay attention to, I remember I was up at an Ohio State practice years ago when Urban Meyer was still the coach. And, and he's not the first one to do it. A lot of colleges do it, NFL right. teams. But, but, I mean, there are at Ohio State's practice facility when they're working out in August, getting ready for the season, there are a dozen of these enormous pools out there filled with ice, filled with water, they're going twice a day, and the guys walk right off the field. They strip down to their underwear, and they jump in there for five minutes, and I read it's the tub more than the shower. See, that's fine, but it's in August. It's hot. But try to do it when you wake up in the morning. And I don't know about you, Tom, but I sleep naked. Give you guys a visual. So I go straight into the shower naked. So I'm already a little cold. You can't my even wife, keep a straight face when you see My it. wife sleeps with the door open last night, if you can believe that. Hey, I've got something, since we're talking about health, something that I'm into is alkaline water. I've got to do some research. I've been doing a little research. My wife is a big believer in that. We drove all the way to Dayton to get alkaline water. And I tell you, Tom, I've been drinking it for about a week i feel a difference well i mean you know we've talked about it on this show with Pony, who uh they're making this stuff right across the street and they they're using it where you have no uh no artificial filtration yes and 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 these guys what they're doing is fantastic uh we're thankful they're with us and uh they're trying to get into more and more stores in and around the area and so you know i, I think you're on to something here and, and, and let me say this: about, they should. They should brag about it. And, and let me say something about the, the, the sponsor. They're on to something. Okay. And yeah. I hope they're listening. I really hope they're listening. I will not drink water out of the faucet, first of all. And I measure the water. Danae actually has a measuring device that measures how many chemicals or particles are in the water. To have fresh water is an absolute must. Please do not bring drink out of the out of the tap. That's bad bad water so those guys are way ahead of the times because in california that's all they are is bottled water but that alkaline is going to be interesting too and i bet those guys go to it could you explain to me something very briefly about california if it's all about bottled water which comes in a plastic bottle right. by and large right right but right. you can't use a plastic straw in california could someone explain the logic of that to me? It's okay to have a bottle this size of water, but you can't 
put a straw in it because you can't get a straw there. That's exactly Well, you know a lot about you've been a lot of places. They're so hypocritical there. I'll tell you what they do in California talking about plastic. They charge you 10 cents for a plastic bag. To bag I'm your well purpose. aware. I'm well aware. Right. I tell you, that place is sinking fast. I actually saw two girls when I was in uh, Ventura on the beach jogging. They were about 28, you know, one of those millennials or whatever they're called. I don't even know what generation wearing a mask, both of them. Now, what kind of fools wear a mask outside that are 28 years old? You can't catch COVID outside. Do you re people realize that? Yeah, I, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Yeah. Um, all right. I want to shift gears to a second, Tracy, because tonight um, the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame inductees will be announced. And I made the comment before you came on the air. I don't know if you were with us yet in the chat uh, or, or not. Um, Jeff Kent. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I, I, I've told the story about the three or four times he and I kind of got into it a little bit. Uh, he did not like the fact that I was doing a national broadcast game of the week back in those days for Fox while I was also the announcer of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And back in those days, it was primarily the Diamondbacks and the Giants fighting it out for who was the best team in the National League West. He didn't like it. He made it known. We talked about it. We disagreed. We move on. There were other things we would disagree. And he would always, he'd be happy to sit there and talk about it. No screaming, no yelling, no F-bombs, no right. calling each other right. names. Okay, but here's the thing. Of all the second basemen that have played in the history of the game, Jeff Kent has more home runs and he has a third most RBIs. He has been waiting eight years on this ballot to get in the Hall of Fame. This is his final year before he's kicked off to the Veterans Committee. Now, you mean to tell me that that is, a, is not a direct reflection of the writers deciding they don't like the guy as a person or they don't like his politics as we've also seen with Kurt Schilling and so what are right. they doing to him they're not honoring or rewarding his time as a player which is supposed to be what you're voting for here and, mm -hmm. and they're going to punish a guy by keeping him out of the hall of fame Jeff Kent, I used to run his stats during extra innings when I used to host the extra innings show on 700 WLW. And I would compare the greatest second basemen of all time. And I would throw in Kent's stats. You can't argue with those stats. No. I mean, you're talking about home runs. You're talking about ribeye stakes. You're talking about batting average. Was he the best building second baseman? No. He actually moved over and played a little third base, if I remember right. His stats are outstanding for a second baseman. Compare those stats with Bill Mazeroski, right? Who yeah. hit 272. I hit 273, but it's not about me. He hit 272, was a very good fielder, but he's in the Hall of Fame. And this, the writers are get so personal. If they do, do not like you, they won't have you. And you mentioned Kurt Schilling. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look, next time I'm on, I'm going to look at Kurt Schilling's stats. Because they're pretty strong. But there's a conservative voice that the liberal media doesn't like, right? So they don't have him in the Hall of Fame. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. When you compare Scotty Rowland's stats, great fielder. 
maybe one of the best fielding third basemen's of all time. Uh, Mike Schmidt said he's the best fielding third baseman he's ever seen. But offensively, is he a Hall of Famer? I mean, the highest he ever finished for MVP was fourth. So I just look at this and I got to shake my head. I mean, Scotty Rowland, good. I, I'm not knocking him. But is he a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. Jeff well, Gett, he is. Well, and you are spot on. And I just think it is so, I just think it is so spiteful. I think it is so wrong that because you disagree with someone's politics or you think, yep. and this could go both ways. I mean, if you had a bunch of conservative guys in this case, to keep a guy out of the Hall of Fame, because he is an uber liberal voice, I would argue that's wrong too. So this has nothing oh, yeah. to do with which side you're on. But there is no debate when it comes to the, to, to the writers on where most of them would come down on a political spectrum. And so this isn't like, you know, talking about disinformation or disinformation or whatever it might be. This is a reality that this guy as a player, and that's what you're supposed to be voting on, right? And, and, and the ironic part about it is, Tracy, mm -hmm. is, I made the comment before you came on. Most of the guys that are voting now have never met Jeff Kent. They never covered Jeff Kent. And they never even saw Jeff Kent play. And I'm not here to be the guy's PR person because, like I said, I didn't like him either. Right. But if I had a vote, which I don't, <clears throat> there is no chance on God's earth I'm keeping that guy out of the Hall of Fame. Well, compare his stats. Well, let's do... Let's do Joe Morgan. And, and please, I'm not going to take anything away from Joe, but Joe didn't have really good years in Oakland. He didn't really have good years in Houston. And he actually had those three years in Cincinnati, I think it was 74, 75, 76, were the best of all time as far as the second baseman. But if you match Kent's stats to Joe Morgan, it's not even close. And for Kent not to be in the Hall of Fame, I think it's an outrage. Well, I, I'm just looking up, and believe me, I'm not comparing in any form or fashion uh, Joe Morgan to Jeff Kent. Morgan was a better player all around in every way, shape, or form. Um, but, you know, you start getting into some of these things. Uh, Kent was a lifetime 290 batter. 290. That is raking. You know it not. For a second baseman? How many raking. second basemen? Those were the days second basemen didn't hit like they do now. Right? Who's a better hitting second baseman? Okay, Joe Morgan. Who else? Go ahead, okay. Bobby Grinch. Kent, Kent played <laughs> roughly 400 fewer games than Joe Morgan. So, you know, and as far as plate appearances, Morgan had over 2,000 more. Okay? And at bats, uh, Joe had less than 1,000. Okay? But that's still a pretty significant difference. Base hits okay. in a thousand more plate appearances it is almost a wash kent 2400 morgan 2500 doubles kent 560 in fewer at bats fewer plate appearances morgan 440 home runs jeff kent hit over a hundred more home runs than joe morgan Runs batted in. Joe Morgan hit third in the Reds lineup. Jeff Kent hit fourth in the Giants lineup behind Barry Bonds. Now, some could say Bonds walked all the time, which is true, 
But Bonds also knocked in a lot of runs. Runs that were off the base pass by the time Kent walked up to the plate. Kent knocked in 1,500 runs. Morgan knocked in 111. Now, stolen bases, no contest there. Morgan walked a ton more than, than Kent did. And Kent struck out more. But on base percentage, Joe was higher because of the walks. Slugging percentage, Kent better. OPS, Kent better. Total bases, <laughs> Kent better. So, look. I, I, I just job, don't Tom know how somebody that. puts their head on the pillow at night. No. And how, how do you resolve that, Tom? of his politics or the way he chooses to express himself, it is appalling that we are talking about putting in somebody like Billy Wagner, with all due right. respect. I love Billy Wagner. Great pitcher. But to think that Billy Wagner has a chance, very good chance, to go in the Hall of Fame before Jeff Kent is a joke. He's not a Hall of Fame pitcher. Good pitcher, but not a Hall of Fame I'll tell you another guy that got in. Correct me if I'm wrong. Harold Baines. I mean, a DH got in, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, he had I over, mean, you know, he had, you know, Baines had over 3,000 hits. I think he had, I don't know how many home runs. He had a ton. Uh, okay, yeah. let me give you someone, let me give you someone overrated. The most overrated player that I played against. And this is really going to probably bother you, Tom. Overrated, and I wish I, I knew we're gonna because I, I would prepare as far as the numbers. Like you just broke them down; those were incredible numbers that you compared Jeff Cannon and Joe Morgan. But the most overrated player that I played against was Ozzie Smith. Why is that? Because he wasn't a very good hitter. He wasn't a very good hitter. He was a terrible hitter. He was under two hundred with San Diego, uh, St. Louis. He was a better hitter. But as far as if you play in which I did play, you had Barry Larkin was our shortstop, and compare him to Ozzie Smith. There's no comparison. Oh, there's Barry no comparison. So but no, no, no comparison. Barry, between okay, I'll those give you two. another one. Omar Vizquel was better than than Ozzie Smith. Alan Trammell, who I also played with, was better than Ozzie Smith. I I just thought Ozzie Smith could make some spectacular plays, didn't have a very strong arm, didn't have a strong arm like the other guys I just mentioned. But yet he did that flip as he came out, uh, and he's in the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know why some guys get in and other guys do not. I'm not saying he's not a Hall of Famer, but a little overrated. I think you would agree with that, right, Tom? As well, far as I, I'm starting to look. I, I, I always felt that way, too. And in, in some circles, that's, that's sacrilegious to say. Mm -hmm. I always thought that... You know, there were a lot of years in Ozzie Smith's career from an offensive standpoint where you literally could knock the bat right out of his hands. That's look, look at his stats. Do you have his stats pulled up? Well, I'm, I'm, what I'm going to do is, is uh, you know, and Ozzie Smith, for the record, has said many, many, many times whenever he's asked, he has always said that he believes Dave Concepcion should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. He was way before his time. Uh, you know, and, and I, I just cannot believe uh, some of the numbers when you put them up comparable to uh, those of Ozzie Smith. It, it really is uh, mind boggling. Uh, the, the stats, the offensive stats that are in the favor of Concepcion as a head of. Uh, who was who was a better hitter playing shortstop 
in that era than Davy Conception. You're talking about a clutch player. First of all, I'm a big fan of Davy Conception. When he platooned, we both platooned in 1986. So when there was a left-hander, Davy played, and then I played, right? When there was a right-hander, then Cal Daniels played, and Kurt Stillwell played. Right. So Davy would always tell me how to approach this left-handed pitcher. He was always good to me. I mean, really, really good to me. Would help me any questions. He stuck up for me. Uh, you're looking at one of the biggest Davy Concepcion fans going. Love you know, Davy Concepcion. You know the other guy I'm curious to ask you about uh, because, gosh, I love this guy. And, and I mean, uh, uh, another guy that I, I, I just cannot believe it. Um, and and I think you were around him when you were first coming up with the Reds. Is Dave Parker? <laughs> Well, here, and I, I hate to always bring myself into the situation, but I was there. So I did play with Dave. And that's when they, at one time, they had Callen left, Eric in center, and me in right. They moved Parker to first base, if you remember that. Yep. And Paul O'Neill was actually on the bench. So, yeah, Dave Parker was a guy would come into the locker room after a night ball game and be limping. And I would go up to him because if he wasn't playing – then I would play. And I said, Dave, you got to take the day off. You can't play. He says, I'm playing. I says, you can't even walk. He would go into that, that training room. I says, Dave, you just, just take the day off. He says, you're not telling me what to do. I'm going to go in that, that training room. He got ice. He got his knees. Larry Starr, who was a trainer, would rub his knee. He had bad, bad knees. And that son of a gun would go out there and play and play well. He had a, he was a very good outfielder. You know, of course, when I played with him, he was a little slower. But what a team player and a gamer. And he put up great numbers. There was not a single player better than Dave Parker in those five or six years. Would you not agree? No, but there's a guy that had some drug issue or whatever that has been held against him. Another player that should be in the Hall of Fame, Dave Parker. All right. Uh, I want to hit on a couple of other topics here. If I remember right, well, Casey Hammoneggers, uh, Casey and Paul, say good morning to uh, Mr. Jones, please. Yeah. Tra Hello, Tracy, boys. how are you today? Good, good, Paul. How you doing? Uh, Casey, good. how was your trip? It was good. It was good. It was a great time. Um, did you, did before, you have a good before, time? Did you... Go ahead. Before we get into this, we got a super chat, and it's a question for you. It's from Everett Henry, and he says, Tracy, how do you feel about your Bengals pick? First, what's his name? Everett Henry. First of all, Everett, how dare you embarrass me on this show? That was a horrible pick. I, I thought about it. I swear to God, I thought I had it. I didn't place the bet, but I was going to. I could not believe how good the Bengals line played. I'm one of those guys, because I coach football, I watch the offensive and defensive line. Buffalo had no penetration at all. That offensive line smoked them. I have never felt so positive going in the game. I like the Bengals as a team, but I thought the Bills would win. The Bills got destroyed, and I'm a little embarrassed. But, Everett, thanks for bringing that up. Appreciate it. Well, look, look, I, I was going to go down this avenue with you anyway, Tracy, and Everett, thank you very much. Um, if I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong. Um, you said early in the year before the Bengals played the Kansas City Chiefs, that the Chiefs were your favorite team. Did I remember that right or is that wrong? 
Well, you got a memory like an elephant. I think you got it wrong, Tom. Going into this weekend, you got it wrong. <laughs> Tom, I'm a really good flip-flopper. I can do it on, on the fly. And, and I'm going to do because I'm really rooting for the Bengals. I'm, I'm what you call a front runner. So I'm liking the Bengals. I will say this about uh, Mahomes. He will be close to 100%. And the reason I say this, they will shoot his ankle full of cortisone. They will do, they probably have already drained it, right? The, and they yep. will numb that son of a gun till he's good to go uh, for that game. I'm just trying to tell you what they do behind well, the know, scenes. I, I, the I want to ask you that this question because I, I was thinking about this, and, I, and I'm really being serious when I ask you this question because, you know, for years and years, I worked in the NFL with Chris Spielman, who is one of the great players in the history of the National Football League uh, and, and one of the all-time tough guys in the history yeah. of professional football as a middle linebacker. And, and he, you know, he'd tell me stories about, you know, in a game he, he, he fractured his collarbone and then the bone directly underneath the collarbone at the very upper cases of, of, the, of, the, of the rib cage. That was shattered. They shot him up. He went back in the game. He didn't, he didn't miss but maybe one series in the game. And he used to get so frustrated with guys that – hurt their pinky or hurt their whatever, and they, they're out for the game or they miss a game, whatever it might be. Um, but I was thinking, when you just said, right, walk me through, you injure your ankle like Mahomes did, okay? And, and we're not saying this is what the Chiefs did or didn't do. Right. But just from a theoretical standpoint, you're shooting it with a lot more than cortisone. You're shooting it with something that's going to numb it up. Here's my question, though, Tracy. Uh, yeah. At what point, if they put it in your right ankle, whatever it is they put in there, to try to prevent the pain from being as bad as it normally would be without it, at what point, or is there a fine line there, where now the player doesn't feel the foot or ankle well enough to even be able to put the foot in the ground to move? You know what I'm getting at here? Yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. And that, I think, could play into it. They're going to numb it so much. Back in my days, they, they used to shoot cortisone. I probably had 10 cortisone shots in my knees. And they work good for about 24 hours. And then after 24 hours, it wears off. And you feel like you're 100%. But I, I do worry about the coordination with Mahomes and not feeling as it is right ankle or his left hand. It really doesn't right. matter. Just right. his, his coordination. That's a great question because you got to be able to feel. you got to be able to get a sense of, of where your feet are at. And I just think he's going to be really numb. I don't think it's going to make a difference. I, I like the Bengals that much. I really do. What I saw on the offensive line, defensive line as well. I, I thought incredible coaching. By the way, Callahan is out of here. And someone's got someone's going to hire him. I like to hire offensive coaches. I can find defense. I need to fire an or hire an offensive coach. Callahan has a very good game plan. I mean, he's got some weapons, but what a great job. Great coaching. How about Tracer dropping a Brian Callahan on us here? That's why we have him on. You know, let me throw something else at you. And, Tom, you could talk on this. Tony Romo talks too damn much. Would you ever tell your analyst sitting next to you that you need to settle down and take a deep breath because he becomes a distraction. I liked Romo, but he had too many of these. He needs to slow down on the caffeine. He'll talk like I do. 
He was really a distraction. I tell you what, I like Olsen, I like Aikman, and I like Chris. But I'm not a Romo fan. I don't know if anyone caught that. It was a distraction. I'll tell you, you know, um, uh, well, to answer your question, the first question you asked, yes, there have been many, many times I've been sitting next to somebody and, you know, we'll get to a commercial break or, and I'll kind of say, hey, man, we, both of us need to back off a little bit here. It's too much talking, not enough crowd. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just, just relax, relax a little bit. Both of us relax. You know, I, I mean, I was guilty of running at the mouth, too. So uh, I get it. But I got to tell you, I, I'm... I was in the other camp. Most people that started listening to Romo when he first burst on the scene and he's predicting plays and everybody out there. Yeah. A lot of people love the guy. Couldn't get enough of him. Now as time has gone by, that's starting, I think, to level off a little bit. But I hate to – I mean, I was reading the chat. But I got to tell you, I mean, for me, he's starting to grow on me a little bit. Um, Does he talk too much sometimes? Yes, I think a lot of them talk too much sometimes. But I think that, that, that he's the only one of those analysts out there that to me is sort of unfiltered. Does that make sense? I, I agree. And he talks about a play before it happens. All these other guys, and I'm not going to mention the one that does it, breaks down that play after it already happened. You know, the guy makes a great play from, you know, his linebacker. Oh, that guy, he's been great all year. Well, say it before he makes that play. Or say, you know, that quarterback's a little weak, you know, and, and Romo does go out on a limb yeah. and predict some plays. But Sunday, he wasn't very good at that. I thought he missed a lot of plays. Well, you know, and look, I, I agree. And, and it was my criticism of him before. Uh, but, you know, look, um, I, I think he's been enjoyable uh, I think him and Nance have been an enjoyable listen for Bengals fans. A lot of them out there, all they want to do is kill Romo because he talks about Mahomes and he talks about Allen. Casey's at the top of that list. He was a guy applauding when you were taking a shot there at Romo. I yeah. mean, Casey is like south. Yeah, I'm not criticizing. Wait a minute. Hold on. I, I don't want to criticize Romo too much because I can never do his job. But I just thought that Sunday he was wound a little bit too tight talked too much, and I thought he was a distraction during the game. And, and I don't think that's what broadcasters – Tom, you were never a distraction. I always tell you, huh. you are the best when it comes to football. I like I you look. better. I've said that to you, that you're better on football and, than you are on baseball. And who's that candy-ass uh, lead guy that was with Olsen two weeks ago? Do you know what I'm talking about, the oh, real cheesy Bur guy? No, he's a great dude. Great dude, Kevin Burkhart. No, Great I'm talking. Not Burkhart was fine. It was the week before. No, they're, they're they're Fox's number one team. Unless Burkhart was gone for some reason, I don't know. I don't really yeah, watch much NFC anymore. I I, I really don't. Uh, oh, really, Casey, cheesy. you were getting ready to say something. What were you going to say? No, I, I was just going to say. You know, I I think Romo is too. He shows a lot of favoritism towards one side. Uh, I know these two probably don't agree with that statement, but I think he. He shows a uh, unfair biasness, and he also, like you said, has been very distracting as of late, making uh, yeah. those predictions, and they're not coming through, and he's just all over the place, it seems like. And some people like that. They like the enthusiasm. To me, it's starting to become – I used to like it, but now I'm like, uh, it's getting really yeah. annoying now. It's getting distracting. And when you get a bad disposition with someone who feels like – they don't like your team or don't respect your team, you all automatically, whatever they yeah. do, they're 
thing that they're known for just rubs you off the wrong way. Yeah, All right, I agree um, with you. Do you guys have anything, before we let Tracy go, do you have anything on a personal note that we need to update Tracy on or get his thoughts on before he gets out of here? Well, I am trying to get my tuck situation all figured out, trying to uh, figure out what I'm – well, I already know what I'm going to wear. I'm wearing all black. Are you wearing a light blue? No, I'm wearing all no, black. No, don't do the blue. I'm wearing <laughs> all horrible. black. <laughs> Come black, on. Black uh, blazer? Or I, I don't know what the – Tux? Yeah, that's well, right. Well, it's You're all right, black okay. tux, but the underneath part, what – just – what is that? So, like, just are the, you wearing the, a the are you... shirt? So you're just wearing a white tuxedo shirt? No, I'm wearing black with that too. It's all black. Wow. Oh. Now, Tracer. What? I mean, you know, I was joking when I said the light blue. That's something I could have pictured you in, Tracy, at the prom back in Southern California yeah. back in the old it's days. It's exactly what I had. I but I, I mean, I, you know, I mean, <laughs> black shirt? I'm not on board with that, Tracer. Is that an Antifa thing? Or what? what is no. that, Casey, that whole thing? Is that a... Is that a that's very um yeah he got that down in atlanta after this past weekend is that the deal (laughs) no no i we are doing all black because we saw one of our favorite content creators in his wedding he wore all black and it looked really good he wore a very slim cut suit and uh, i'm gonna replicate it it looked really good and um i think i'll look good in it so wait a minute now you're wearing a black coat a black pants Black shoes, black shirt, black tie. Yep, all black. Tracer, do you think that's a foreshadowing of sort of a? Um, I, I don't know. To me, they, 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 I, I no, don't that's know about way that for a bad. wedding, man. I don't know. But black is very thinning, uh, so I can understand that with Casey a little bit. Casey, <laughs> yeah, Casey, I mean, did you have a good time in Buffalo? Let me ask you: Did you get any fights? Did you guys do some drinking? Did you pick up any wool? What did anything happen? No, um, no, no fighting, no wool. Uh, I had uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had some of that. Watch uh, your language. Light. I had blue light. Labat. Yeah, Labat. I had some Labat blue light. I enjoyed that. Um, we were being obnoxious, though. Me and my best man, we were uh, the obnoxious Bengals fans amongst a ton of oh. bills. And uh, I had already talked about this when I came back Monday, but the Bills Mafia was it didn't impress me. Tracy, impress Casey me is all. Casey is out on Bills Mafia. Tracy, no. they didn't break any tables while I was there, and I was there early. I was there early yeah. tailgating, and it just seemed like the Bengals took over the place. But I will say, dollar in the jar, um, the Bengal or not the Bengals, the Bills hospitality and them being nice, that is that is that was in full force. They're pretty they're good very, people. They're they very were, nice yeah, people. Yeah, they were they I'm were not surprised. congratulating us. Yeah. They were um, you know, they admitted defeat. They were um you know, asking us how we're going to get back home, making sure we're safe, things like that. You know, Casey, who it sounds like, it sounds like Raider Nation, a lot like Raider Nation when they were in Los Angeles. Hey, one more thing, and I know I got to go because I got to talk to the cops, get that freeloader out there in my apartment. But uh, Damar Hamlin, remember they showed the video? They showed the picture of him? Yeah. That wasn't him. 
Just that that's what they're talking about, the conspiracy theorists, which I'm one of. I don't think that was him. This is you like never saw his face, did you? It's a Bruder film here. Yeah, this yeah. is a big deal. This will be breaking. Conspiracy theorists, that was not Damar Hamlin sitting in that uh, suite. Just going to tell you, because remember, all us conspiracy theorists, all that stuff's turning out to be true. Right, Tom? Yeah, there's a lot of it. I can't argue with you there, but I'm not buying the Hamlin thing. Uh, Paul, anything real quick for Tracy? No, I got nothing. All right. Tracy? Good job, Paul. All uh, right. I'm, all right. Get, I'm, I'm getting a haircut today. That's not too exciting. I swear to God, so am I. No way. I got tw I'm paying tw 25 See this hair? Look at that. $25 for a haircut. Is that a lot? I think that's what I'm paying, but I might get the family discount. I'm going to my girlfriend's And cousin. I give them a $10 tip. That's way too rich for you. Well, just, well, just... well, do you get the shampoo too? Like, do you do the whole thing or no. do you just cut it? Okay. No, no foo-foo. Those are what the little wimpy guys do. I just get a haircut. Okay. He's a professional. Uh, Kirby's his name. Down there okay. at Bellevue uh, Barbershop. Great place to get a haircut. Okay. Nothing better than the local barbershop. I'm all in. Right. All I'm right. always with the guys down there in Marymont. Sometimes in Milford. Right there. You got nice hair, Tom. A beautiful hair, no question. No doubt. Falling out. Turning white, falling out. Tracer, thanks for the time, my man. Have a great day. We'll catch up on Thursday. All right. See you guys. And bring your prediction day. for the Bengals v. Chiefs on uh, Thursday. Well, let's slow it down there. I got to think. Tracy's got to get to the police. He's got to get to the police office. Get that all straightened out. All right. Do we have a cherry on top? We do. All right. What do we got? Fire it up. And it's... It's uh, something that happened on Sunday. Um, you know, it's a, uh, a testament from a coach to his players. It is a... Uh, I've seen this. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. I'll just play it for our fans to listen. Pollock. Frank Pollock, proud of his guys. Tell you what, guy's done a hell of a job. I mean, he took a beating from people the first two weeks of the season. I thought it was unfair because I thought it was on Zach Taylor for not getting those guys out there together. But they brought this guy in believing he was the right guy for the job. What, didn't he used to be in Dallas? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and they haven't played in an AFC champ. Pollock's been here two years, right? Yes. Okay. Two years in a row. AFC Championship game. With a line that couldn't protect a bank last year. Right? Right. And it, but good enough to get that group to play good enough to get to the Super Bowl. This year, they bring in some studs. They start 15 weeks together. They're starting to mold, protect the quarterback, run game. Out. All of a sudden, guys start dropping. Collins goes. Kappa goes, Williams goes, and this guy has guys ready to play and played the way they play. The Dallas Cowboys have not played in an NFC Championship game in 27 years. That's and tough. they can, Pollock, he comes here for two, and then their second straight championship game. He's a part of it. Credit to Frank Pollock getting it done. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not yet. 
We don't want to jinx anything. It's all right, Tom. Jinxes don't exist. Don't want to jinx. Yes, they do. They do too they exist. Very much, they much, very much exist. That's right. Look at Brandon and his mustache. He jinxes this office walking in the door wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, thanks to Rowdy Everpoint. Another uh, $5 super chat. Appreciate it, Rowdy. Yes, and thanks to all of you who are with us today. We had a big numbers today for yeah. Tuesday. Very, very big numbers. Um, Reed and I are going to do Not Too Picky now on Tuesdays because that was the only day we didn't have a follow-up show. Yeah. So we're going to do that today. After oh, good. We're going to start doing good. that on Tuesdays because we didn't have anything on a Tuesday. So. Well, I can't believe after you just told me the other day that um, – oh, what's this? Oh, this is the super chat that uh, Rowdy just sent us. Ken Riley looks like he'll finally make the Hall of Fame. Is it time for the Bengals to finally retire number 13? It's a shame it hasn't happened. So they should far. retire. Yeah. Especially if the guy goes into the Hall of oh, Fame. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, Kenny Anderson's jersey is retired up there, right? So. Is that retired right. up there now or no? The Ring of Honor. Is there? Or the Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah. Ring of Honor. Is yeah. it retired? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. Andy Dalton wore it, right? Yes. He wore or the 14. same 14? Dalton wore 14. Yeah. 14? Yeah, and Kenny Anderson wore 14. Um, anyway, um, okay. Do a, so, jo- do a joint retirement with Dalton and Anderson. Exactly right. <laughs> joint. What were you What were you going to say, though? Before no, you- no, no, no. We're, uh, we're good to go tomorrow. Uh, no, I was just going to say, maybe you're going to give up some, some women's basketball picks tonight. You said <laughs> no. that's where you make all the money. <laughs> I, I, I... Where you make all the money. <laughs> all the money. You're holding back. You're not filling in all the viewers and not too picky, which begins right now. Thank all of you. We'll see you tomorrow.